cold as the Rockies. Was it Coors? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if we've had 10 episodes of us drinking craft beverages and then all of a sudden we're like, and this week we're drinking Coors. It is a slushy though. Yeah. We, it may have stayed in the freezer a little too long. We really messed up. Our Listen, when you buy things that are room temperature off a shelf and you only have, you have like a limited amount of time before you can record. I know, but we waited too long. We were listening to that whiskey thing for too long. 20 minutes. What are you drinking? Greater good. Pulp. Daisy. Pulp? There's pulp, pulp in it? I don't know what's in it. Nectar of the hop gods. From Worcester. Mass. Do you know another Worcester? Um, no. Technically Worcester. Oh, that's... Worcester? Worcester. Worcester. Because the Massachusetts people of the world don't pronounce R's and other letters. Greater good. Do they donate any money? I have no idea. I just got it because there's a deer skull. That's not moose a skull. deer. Moose? That's, no. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know there are moose in Massachusetts, so I just assumed there was only deer. You gotta drink all that slush in one gulp, totally eliminate it from further gulps. Is it good? Yeah. It's very cold. Let it warm up. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a graft cider per usual. This one's called Blossom of Remorse, and it's an apricot mochi cider. That girl's boobs out. No, she's wearing a diver's suit. Mm. It's really leaking a whole lot because it's so cold. Where's the ingredients? Ah, apricot, matcha, white tea, lavender, vanilla, and clove. It really looks like her boobs are out. They're not. It's just fish in front of her boobs. Mm -mm. This one's actually kind of good. It's very clovey, though. The last app of Mochi one, I think, I didn't like. Yeah, if the person alive, she's not wearing a diving mask. Well, it's a fantasy world. But this one is very clovey. Like, it's weird because it's trying to be like a fruity, light drink, but cloves are often in winter drinks. I don't know. What district was uh, Chloe from? I don't know. Was she one of the uh, those districts that preened their young for winning? I didn't know. I couldn't have told you there was a character named Clove in the Hunger Games. Clove and Kato. You seem to know more about the Hunger Games, and I think you've referenced the Hunger Games a few times in our podcast. You've also what? referenced Twilight. So what? are you sure you're not a 14-year-old girl? Are you saying that Hunger Games is for 14-year-old women? No, Twilight is very aimed at 14-year-old girls, though. Do you remember what dresser Kato's from? No, I don't remember his name. Is he the blonde one? Mm -hmm. oh. Was that in the first movie? I've only seen the first movie. He's like the one that makes it to the end, and then Katniss shoots his hand and he falls into the mutant dog people. Oh. Um, anyhow... We went axe throwing last weekend. And our instructor, if you want to call her that. She was... She told us to take it and throw it, so she instructed us that much, but <laughs> that was the extent of her instructing. Yeah, so there were like five aisles, lanes. Lanes, I suppose. Yeah, where there were two targets in each lane, and 
each lane had an instructor associated with it. And the ones near us, for some reason, they had great coaches that were like, oh, you're not doing great. Here's how to fix it. Here's how to do better. Here's a technique, et cetera, et cetera. And then ours was just like on her phone. Take the axe, put it behind your head, throw it. Mm -hmm. But we got it on our own. We became actually decent at it. With that and our eavesdropping. Yeah, we were watching the other coaches help. I felt a little sad that we didn't get the full coach experience. That would have cost extra because we used a Groupon that... She didn't know that until the end, though. Can you imagine if she had known at the beginning? She probably wouldn't have even spoken. I mean, I don't know why that would affect it. It wouldn't, I guess. She's getting paid no matter what. Yeah, and then she's... Unless she's expecting to be tipped on full price. Hmm. It was really fun, though. At first, so we get there, and <laughs> I'm watching everybody, like, throw axes around us. It's also in, like, this uh, derelict, not derelict, but more, more or less built up area of town. It was a creepy building, and I was like, where the heck did you bring me? And for a second, I think you even doubted yourself. Yeah, but then there was a sign for yoga on the Yeah, building, we're like, so. oh, yoga, it's safe. <laughs> um uh yeah so we got there and people were throwing axes all around and stuff and i just like had a moment where i was like what are we doing here this is not this is not safe for work what nsfw right and i was like i don't know if i can do this what if i get hurt like i don't know i was so nervous and then we used the lightest axe, and I think that was not a good choice for us. Starting out, especially. Because it kept bouncing back, so I... We were trying to do, like, overhead, like, two-hand throws yeah. with it. And it kept bouncing back, which made me more nervous. And I was not getting it. You had gotten that one to stick a couple times. I didn't get it to stick once. So I was losing my confidence, and I was getting nervous. Then I switched axes to the heaviest one, and then that's when we started getting good. And I kept the score sheet so I can remember our games that we played because there's a target on it. And we did pretty well. We got we both got bullseyes a few times. We took a lot of boomerangs. There's some really bad ones that I took. Maybe we'll post one. Oh, yeah, we could do that. There was a uh, jump there or a cut or something like that. Apologies. We had to pause because we both use untapped is a beer rating app we might have mentioned it before but anyway we had to pause and rate our beverages so we're back also speaking of that i recently hit 200 beers on there <laughs> i did not get any kind of badge for that i got a badge for 100 no badge for 200 i just got a badge johnny appleseed level five which is like 25 ciders or something like that yeah i think it's like five per level mm. also something my boss at work today brought up he asked if like, I had my story all ready to go or whatever. Right. And I mentioned, yeah, I had, and I t told him what it was because I don't know that he listens to it. But um, he's from Wisconsin originally. Oh, I didn't know that. Do you know who's from Wisconsin also in terms of true crime? True crime podcasts? No, just like true crime happenings. Mm, yes, but I can't think of it. Edward? Ed Gain? 
apparently lived pretty close to them. No way. And his uh, his grandfather apparently bought Ed Gaines' car. No way. And um, may or may not have had human hair on the on the uh, keychain thing. He bought it knowing what. Or I, no. I no, don't know no, no, the no, time no the time period. <gasps> wow, wild. Yeah, but he, my boss said growing up he uh they had his grandparents had like a book on Ed, so it was after the fact, and he's like he read it and like he just like traumatized him. Yeah, because he's like, oh man, I met that guy. Maybe at some point. Well, yeah, well, when you buy a car from someone, you meet them. Well, his his grandparents would have met met him oh when your boss read the book it traumatized him yeah oh because he read it as a child or something yeah he would go he said he would go to his grandparents house as a kid and like apparently ed Gaines' house was somewhat close to his grandparents house that's crazy i always think what would it be like if you knew one of these people watch like 10 years from now we'll be like crap we knew that person that would be wild anybody you suspect no. You know, it's like uh, there's like some statistic that the average person walked by like five people that have killed someone in their life. Oh, in their life. <laughs> I was like, a day? <laughs> uh, maybe. Wow. That's cool. Interesting fact. Thanks for sharing. Factoids, yeah. Um, You're going first. I'm going first. I, listen, I listened to episode nine to confirm. Well, but you just did episode 10, period. Yeah, well, I did. I was ep- going to go first anyway. I went ep- first in episode nine, and then I did episode 10. Yeah. So. Yeah, you've been doing a lot of heavy lifting. You just you just take a load off. Before we get started, though, I just wanted to say, if you stick around to the end, which you should anyways, at the very end of the episode, we're going to be playing a promo for another true crime podcast uh, that we both listen to and that we've been chit-chatting with. Um, so we'll play that at the end. So if you're interested in finding out another podcast if you're looking for more to listen to stick around and we'll be playing that okay okay are you ready ddy what r-e-d-d-y lipstick killer god oh your mother did the same thing you're like what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i was thinking like i don't know whatever i'm slow it's fine you were held back a grade, so. No, I wasn't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Have you heard of Melvin Reese? Reese? F- creator of Reese's Cup? No. R-E-E-S. That's it. Oh, speaking of Reese's Cup, you didn't bring those pick-me-ups I got you. No, I am. Oh, but not to work. No. I, I brought them to... home because you were going to have a long day today. Oh. No. No. Oh. But... I pan a chocolate again. Nice. Have you heard of this guy, though? No. Okay. Melvin Reese. I don't know if it's Reese or Reese. I'm just going to say Reese. He was born in 1933, which is the same year that my grandfather was born. Fun fact. Probably knew him. (laughs) There was only like six people on the planet at that time. They're both from Maryland. I should ask. My guy's from Maryland, too. Oh, my God. We didn't ask. We didn't ask. Whoopsies. Uh, well, what was, how were you going to narrow that down? Is your guy from Maryland? Is he a man? Well, then what? I one of us could have picked a different state just to be safe. No, my, my guy Can was good. Can you imagine if we were doing the same one? Oof. I had an exclamation mark next to this guy's name in my phone, so I was going to do him. Wow. Uh, 
We could have tag teamed this if it was the same one. But anyway, I'm glad we dodged that bullet. Um, so a lot, there's not a lot known about his childhood, childhood, excuse me. Stop. Me too. Oh my gosh. But it's not Melvin Reese, right? You're not doing Melvin Reese? No, he was, my guy was born in like the 50s, 60s. Oh, okay. Uh, we do know that he went to the University of Maryland though. He was a Terrapin. Uh, he, even name that Terrapin? I don't know. Terp. (laughs) I don't know, probably. He was a talented musician. He played the saxophone, piano, and clarinet. And he dropped out of the University of Maryland to be a musician and went around to play at local jazz clubs. What was his instrument of choice? Do you even listen? Because the bullet before dropped out of school was he played the saxophone, piano, and clarinet. Yeah, in the middle of that, me asking that, I remembered like clarinet. <laughs> the words clarinet came like, to my brain. That was literally the previous bullet. <laughs> Listen, I can't identify a moose by its skull, so what do you expect me to do? Okay, let's let's pay attention here. I'd like you to remember at least the bullet before what I've just said. <laughs> now clarinet's in my brain forever, so. And saxophone and piano. Uh, in 1955, he was arrested for assaulting a woman. He tried to force her into his car, but she luckily got away. She did not press charges, however. And everyone was like, okay, that's fine. Everyone dismisses it. Sweep it under the rug. Yeah. She apparently didn't really care. I mean, she cared, obviously, but probably figured that Nothing it was going to go nowhere in the court system. Especially in Maryland, am I right? Wow. That's where my dad's from. They're south of the Mason-Dixon, aren't they? No, I don't think so. I think Virginia is, though. No, so it's south side of Maryland. I don't know. Both Maryland, Virginia. I don't know. Yeah, Virginia's souther. Souther? Yep. Yep. Uh, That's all we know about his background. Okay. I mean, that's still a good good amount. He has hit a record. Yeah. It's true, but it was swept under the rug. On June 26, 1957, a woman named Margaret Harold and her boyfriend, who was in what? Uh, I got a notification that uh, life insurance, a policy was available for me, something about Trump health care, and then I noticed... Trump health care? Does that exist? I don't know. And I noticed my sound from my computer was still on, so mute that. Mm. Um, but, 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 but. So on June 26, 1957, a woman named Margaret Harold and her boyfriend who served in the military were traveling down a road when they got forced off by a blue Chevrolet behind them, and uh, Melvin Reese was the driver of the blue Chevrolet. He got out of his car, walked up to them, told them to roll down their windows, and was holding a revolver when he was like, roll down your windows! Probably waved it like a pointed finger, except it was a revolver. Although it was holding it sideways. Yeah. Because that's like an immediate kill. It's an immediate kill shot. Yeah, for sure. Um, he demanded cigarettes and money, but they did not give him any. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they didn't have any, but it just said that they didn't give it to him. Which probably means they didn't have it, because in that scenario, you were supposed to give it to them. He then shoots Margaret point blank in the face. It escalated real fast. Does he then shoot the boyfriend in the passenger seat who then goes into the back seat? Is this a story, like a horror movie? 
Not the Zod- one of the Zodiac killings went like this. Oh, no. The boyfriend escaped out of the car and runs as fast as he frickin' can to a nearby farmhouse. And he was in the military, so maybe he was in good shape. They have, like, those uh, PT things, right? Yeah, PT test. Yeah. So he gets to a farmhouse and calls the police. Some officers come to the farmhouse to pick him up, and others go to the crime scene. And when they get there, they find out that, well, Margaret's still there. Reese is not. They find that Reese had, between the time that the boyfriend ran and called the police and they showed up, he had removed all of her clothes and raped her post-mortem. Real, real charming. Here's a quick question. In that scenario, what do you want me to do? Am I I to stay there or am I to run off and call the police? If it were you and me and I was dead? Yeah, you got shot in the face. Run! Not stay there and... No, because you could die. I'm already dead. Yeah, then things... I got shot in the face. Things could happen to you post-mortem. I know. I know. But you are more important. Let things happen. You should live. And he lives. Period. Like, until he dies, eventually. Yeah, but then he's live. He has that uh, survivor's guilt. Well, yeah. Uh, the police search the area for the unsub, if you will. You know, that's what they say in Criminal Minds. The I unknown don't. subject. Their unknown killer. You never watch Criminal Minds? No. Oh. I think we talked about this. And they find an abandoned building nearby the crime scene with a broken window. So they go in there. Why are you smirking? I don't know. I'm just looking at you. You're ready for what's inside? Are you ready for what's inside? Are you ready for it? Uh, So they go inside and they see walls and walls and walls of pornographic photos and autopsy photos of women. Not the wallpaper choice I would make. No? No. It's probably... That'd be cheaper than wallpaper? No, it's just expensive to print photos. He's not printing them, he's developing them himself, probably. Maybe. I don't know. And they also find a yearbook that belongs to a woman named Wanda Tipton, who graduated in 1945. And um, the police are like, well, we gotta go there first. So they go to Wanda Tipton's house and asks her if she knows a tall, dark-haired man. Another man with dark hair. Mm-hmm. I was about to ask that. Does he have dark hair? Yeah. Describe And the reason they know this is the boyfriend saw, obviously, uh, the killer. And <laughs> she's like, nope. I don't know any tall, dark men. Tall, dark-haired men. Tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows a tall, dark-haired man, right? That's me right here. No, you don't have dark hair. Mm. No. Uh, and she's like, nope. And they're like, oh, okay. And so it becomes a cold case. She's lying. Becomes a cold case for two years. What happens in two years? She's lying. That's your... That's your... Uh, Gavel. No, your, your verdict. Yep. Two years later, January 11th, 1959... Carol Jackson, his wife Mildred, and their. I am for me. What? Sorry, Miss Jackson. I am for me. What is that? I don't know. That's some. Oh. 
Carol Jackson, his wife Mildred, and their daughters Janet and Susan go missing after visiting relatives. They're driving home from visiting and they go missing. The reason they know that they go missing is that one of the f- one of their relatives that was at the same event drives home later after them and sees their car abandoned on the side of the road. And she goes up to it and it looks like there's no sign of a struggle or anything like that, but everybody has gone out of the car. So the police are trying to look into it. They have no leads. They have nothing to go on. But two months later, on March 4th, near Fredericksburg, two men discover the body of Carol Jackson in, like, some brush. And he was shot in the back of the head. His hands were all tied up. And he was dumped on top of Janet, who was, um, just for reference, the daughters were, like, two and five or something like that. The man's name is Carol. Yeah, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. Isn't that like um, a writer? Like a famous writer? Lewis Carroll? Yeah. He wrote Alice in Wonderland. So Carol was dumped on top of Janet. And when they did an autopsy, it turns out that Janet, who was like the younger one, she was like two, was alive. And the way she died was that she suffocated underneath her father, which is really, really sad. So he threw the, the like toddler oops he threw the toddler probably after like knocking her out thinking she was dead no she didn't have any blows or anything Mm. she he threw her in there and then threw the dad right on top of her march 21st which is like a couple weeks later mildred and susan jackson were discovered near annapolis susan had a heavy blow to the back of the head that's the daughter um and died of a fractured skull no wait yeah what kills you in that scenario the fractured skull probably brain swelling meningitis no that's just that's viral meningitis viral <laughs> that's a, that's a sickness yeah um probably or a blow to the brain so badly you can't just like function you know your heart and your breathing is controlled by your brain so it depends on where you could hit if you're at the back of the head it's that's where most of the important things are right yeah and it was the back of the head Versus the like, front is making decisions and stuff. And like vision. And... Yeah. Um, Mildred had signs of torture and brutal... brutal blah, 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 blah. She had signs of torture and brutal sexual assault pre-mortem. And eventually she was strangled with her own stocking. The interesting thing was the stocking was loosely tied around her neck. And the police figure that it was tied around so that the um melvin reese could kind of control her and move her around to force her to perform sexual acts most likely oral sex was um not if you mentioned um their race i don't know i'm gonna say if this um maybe in some way the copycat uh freeway phantom is like a copycat of this guy i don't know I don't know their race. Because he's picking off people off yeah, the road. Yeah, but those were and... all little girls, right? Yeah, but I mean, he's still like picking people off off the road. Yeah. And then dumping their bodies back on the highway. He didn't dump these on the highway. Didn't you say a ditch? Brush. Hmm. Yeah, it was like a like a ditch shape, but it was out in the woods. Um, and guess what else they find? 
Very much like the first one. Shot in the face. No, nobody died. I told you how they all died. Unless it's like the first one. A surviving witness. Nope. An abandoned building. Another one. Near the dump site. He's just finding all sorts of buildings. So he, they find, the police find an abandoned building near the dump site of Mildred and Susan. And inside, there one of the buttons from Mildred's dress was in there. So they figure he took them in there, or at least Mildred, uh, to perform all the sexual acts before she died. And there were tire marks that led up to the building that matched tire marks from the other site. So they knew they were dealing with the same person. After the Jacksons went missing... But before they were found, a couple came forward about a frightening man they saw with dark hair who forced them off the road in their blue, in his blue Chevrolet and approached their car. But before they, he forced them to do anything, they sped in reverse and actually got away. They said he had a thin face, heavy eyebrows, dark hair, and unusually long arms. Slenderman. And he also walked oddly. <laughs> he's, just, he's the Slenderman. I'm thinking of like a gibbon, you know, like... Blah, 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 blah. That goes with my arm motion, which is like noodle arms. Um, So police are, you know, they they kind of know who they're looking for. They determine that both of these crimes are committed by the same person. Because... So they eventually connect the dots. Connect the dots. La, 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 la. You know that song? I know... Of it, I don't remember what it's from. It's from Pee-wee's Playhouse. Classic. Um, so they know what they're kind of looking for. So they turn to a psychic. I mean, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. <laughs> this psychic's name is Peter Herkos, and he was a pretty well-known psychic at the time. He visited the gravesite of the Jacksons and handled all their possessions and used his power of psychic abilities to tell details about how they were killed. He then went to the site of Margaret Harold's murder and said it was the same killer. He felt the vibes. And he said that this case would be solved in two weeks and the killer would be charged with nine murders. He also said the perpetrator had a tattoo on one arm and drew a picture of a house where he thought the killer lived. And it's just like a child's drawing of a house. It's just a square <laughs> with a triangle on top of it. Well, interesting enough, actually, he draw, draws a picture and brings them to this house. And it turns out it was the house of one of their primary suspects. Which is like, I'm sure he... I, I, I'm not... I think probably he knew it was one of their suspects and was like, this is the guy. No, it's the same thing. It's like, if he's able to say... All these people died in this certain way. It's, is that materials the press had already published? Or is that... I mean, they're already buried. So probably. Yeah, but I mean, some news articles could be like, family yeah. four dies in yeah. car accident. Um, like, it, was it stuff that the police didn't release to the press? Or was it publicly available knowledge? I don't know. I think he probably knew a bunch of information. It, it could be... It's so easy... For a police officer to tell him, oh, this is also a suspect we have. Have you seen any of those videos of, like, psychics getting things wrong? No. Is, do they feel embarrassed? No, they're mean, probably. I don't know. We don't know how they feel. But there's, like, a one instance that I remember that this, like, um, news or news channel goes to, like, a psychic. And it's like, we're looking for this help of finding this missing girl. And they show her a picture. And she's like, oh, this girl, she died. 
she's she's dead and like you're never gonna find her and she's not missing at all and then like they bring her back in the studio and a woman's interviewing it's like so you told her so you told this guy this woman this girl is dead and she's like that little girl is me she's like she's not dead she's like no i'm quite alive she's like oh that's interesting yikes uh so they uh psychic brings the police to the house and the suspect that they were talking about confesses to it, but it turns out it wasn't him. I don't... Again, we've talked about this. Why? Five seconds of fame. Yeah, I don't know. Then, the police get a letter. Dun, dun, dun. Was it like C? Yeah. On the back <laughs> was a note. Look at the SpongeBob episode. <laughs> so you get a letter and... It's anonymous at first. And the letter suggests that they look into Melvin Reese as the uh, person who done dude it. But like I said, it was at first anonymous, but eventually the person who wrote it came forward about writing it. His name was Glenn Moser. Moser? I don't know. Moser? Moser? The last name also sounds familiar to me, but um, it's probably fairly common. Yeah. Name. Glenn said that he was friends with Melvin Reese. They worked together and that they often talked about philosophy and whether or not murder would be acceptable to do. And one night when they were, uh, when Reese was under the influence of amphetamines. Math. Yeah. He said that murder was a part of the human experience that he really wanted to partake in. And he thought that, what determined whether murder was okay or not were just your individual morals. So you were the one who determined whether murder was fine or not. And then a day after that conversation, the Jacksons went missing. So he was like, uh, maybe this is not great. So when Moser, Moser heard about the crimes, he talked to Reese about it and was like, did you do this? And Reese does not deny it and he does not admit to it he just kind of avoids the subject altogether and moves on and um glenn Mosier was also worried that he had something to do with margaret harold because they were traveling like musician salesmen mm -hmm. like musical instruments and they were in the area where she was killed during that time so he was like this i just don't think that this is okay so the police go to talk to him but it turns out he was gone and left no forwarding address and he wasn't at any of his jazz clubs either. So they don't know where he is, but they do. They are able to do a background check on him anyway. And they find out that he dated Wanda Tipton. Do you remember Wanda Tipton? I don't remember how she... Or, no. She's the yearbook owner. All right. Who doesn't know any tall, dark men. <laughs> Lying. Yeah. She didn't know any tall, dark-haired men? Not true. She dated one tall, dark-haired man. Maybe he wasn't dark-haired back then. Yeah, I don't know. But college is... you Pretty much your hair color is your hair color in college. You could die. That's true. But I don't think he did. Um, so they're like, okay, Miss Tipton, let's talk. And she's like, okay, fine. I did date him. Right. But I we broke it off. I broke it off because he said he was married. Even though, according to their background check, he was never married. So maybe he wanted to end things and he was like, this is my way out. Did get she her get to do it. Aiding and abetting. No, she just, that's it. But she does know him. 
And then Glenn Mosier, at this point, when all of this is happening, comes forward and <laughs> comes forward to talk to the police and says that he actually knows where Melvin Reese is because even though he confronted him about the possibility of being a murder, Melvin Reese didn't like find any issue of continuing to be friends and telling him where he is. So before he left town, he told Glenn that he was moving to Arkansas. West Memphis, Arkansas, because apparently there's a Memphis in Arkansas. Or at least a west one. Is Memphis next to, or (laughs) Arkansas next to Tennessee? You're asking the wrong person. Because if it's Memphis and then Arkansas, then West Memphis. I have have no idea what our country looks like. So they go to West Memphis and arrest him. And they are sure they have the right guy. Do the state police? It's been, it's the FBI now because it's interstate. I was going to say state police just cross borders and arrest somebody. No, sorry. Did I say police? The FBI. It's interstate. So they had to get involved. So they arrest him and they're sure they have the right guy because they go in there and they open up a, a saxophone case and they find lots of notes detailing the murders to a T and... And an abandoned building. No. <laughs> and an abandoned building nearby. Uh, no. And inside the case is also a handgun that matches the bullets that were shot at Margaret Harold. Bullet, singular. And then he, he is in a lineup and Margaret Harold's boyfriend is like, yep. That's the guy. Even though it's like three years later, but I, I would think that kind of face sticks in your brain. Mm-hmm. So he is convicted of murder for Margaret Harold in Maryland. And then Virginia's like, hey, us too. Remember us? And they added a death sentence to be added on to the life sentence. What gets served first? Probably the death sentence. No, wait. Sorry. He gets convicted for murder. I don't have this sentencing period. And then Virginia adds the death sentence to his sentence in Maryland. But um, he's convicted in Maryland first, so he has to serve that anyway. And then when he's done with that, he goes to Virginia and has the death sentence. However, the death sentence he gets is changed to a life sentence because the Supreme Court ended up suspending all death sentences at that period to evaluate whether or not the death sentence was constitutional. So he got out of it. Uh, but, but some police officers think he might also have been responsible for four murders around the University of Maryland. Mary Shomet, Michael Ann Ryan, Mary Fellers, and Shelby Venable were all teens, and they were all raped and killed. And they thought, you Michael? know, Michael Ann. Is yeah. that a female? Yeah. Hmm. She went by Mikey. Um... They were all raped and killed, and they thought, you know, he was in the area at that time, so maybe he had something to do with it, but he was never charged for those. The interesting thing is, though, one, two, three, four, then there were four Jacksons mm-hmm. and one Margaret. So if he did commit those murders, that's the number of people that the psychic said he would have killed. Was it two weeks later? No, it was not two weeks later. But that is nine people. Um, And, like... Murderpedia and stuff ranges it from five to nine. Before he was able to fill out his entire sentence, he died in prison, though, from heart failure. Hmm. 
And he was often referred to as Sex Beast. That's his moniker. One word. No. Okay, so that's the entire story about Melvin Reese. There's a person named Grant McWilliams who's in a band called General Surgery. Cool. And he wrote a song called Crimson Concerto about his favorite serial killer, Melvin Reese. Calls it an anthem of strange behavior. You're welcome to listen to it, although it does scream at you. It sounds kind of like Guar, if people are in that scene. I know who Guar is. Like that. A quote from it, from the lyrics, is... My violin I scrub and wax, which he didn't even play violin. That was not one of the instruments. Do you remember the instruments? Sax. Clarinet. Piano. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, my violin I scrub and wax. Is that also like a... Is that how you play a violin? Is it scrubbing and then waxing? Well, no, it's to clean it. Oh. <laughs> I meant like... No. My violin I scrub and wax, but not with polish, soap, or varnish. A finer substance I require. I soak it in human carnage. Nice. And there's a lot of other weird lyrics to it. And if you really want to listen to it, go for it. But it's something else. Also, Alex and I realized while we were paused and listening to this music that not only are both of our people from Maryland. What was the other thing? I don't know. There was another coincidence. They're both from Maryland, but they both died at the same age, which is 62 years old. So There was something else. I don't remember what it was. There was something at the very beginning. I don't know. I don't know. Listener, you remember. We listened to it <laughs> half an hour ago. We can't remember. So that's Melvin Reese. Leave an answer in our Twitter, where you can call us how stupid we are for not knowing. What were you said? Please don't call us stupid. Why are you inviting people to call us stupid? That would really make me sad. Melvin Reese, Sex Beast. That's it. That's it. Close the laptop for now. Well, that was something. So let's try to see if we can figure out the other uh, similarity that we forgot. Well, we'll get to it. In uh, My Tale of a Man from Maryland. My Tale, A Man from Maryland. Sounds like a biography. (laughs) Biography, autobiography. Yeah, not a biography about someone from Maryland. Tell me your tale, a man from Maryland. Um, born March 2nd. Wait, did yours have dark hair? Was yeah. that it? He might have had dark hair. I don't remember his photo immediately. Okay. Anyway, he's a man. He's a man. That's it. Yep, that's from it. Maryland. Born March 2nd, 1955 in Essex, Maryland. Um, Joseph Metheny? Hmm. He claims that he was often neglected as, as a child. His father was an alcoholic and um, would um, say a father was an alcoholic. And then, you know, that brought the usual strife that it would into a family. Right. But um, the father died in a car accident when Metheny was six. Mm. Good, bad. Yeah. Who's to know. say? I think it's good. Uh, Metheny was one of six children living in the home with his now single mother. Um, she worked multiple jobs and multiple shifts to like, provide for her family, and as a result, Metheny claimed that he was often neglected and um, was left at other people's houses. She was doing the best she in, could. In like a foster-like situation, she was doing according to him. Uh, Metheny also made claims at points that his mother was dead, 
in I don't know in regards to I guess getting things as a child, but obviously the mother disputed this because she was quite alive. Dead um, to him, maybe. Yep. Um, she said if he was neglected, if he felt neglected, it was his own fault because she provided everything she could to her family. They never went hungry. They never didn't have money. And she said she never left people, or left her kids at other people's houses. Interesting. She said he was an average student and was very smart and loved riding bikes as a child. Sounds like a typical kid. Typical, wholesome kid. Um, oh, not a lot of known, is known about his childhood. Oh, that's the other similarity. That's the other what a th- similarity. Um, so now he's... Yeah, but you at least know he likes riding bikes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what my Melvin's opinions on bikes were. Um, so yeah, his dad died at six and that's, he's did or didn't have a good home life. Right. Um, he joined the army when he was 18 in 1973. And then he, there's conflicting reports of where he served. He said he served in Vietnam, but his mother recalls a time of him saying he was serving in Germany. What would he have been doing in Germany in 1973? Oh, there's military bases in Germany. Oh, you just go there and hang out and wait for... Yeah, I guess so. I don't know how the military works half the time. They're like, I'm being stationed in, off of Hawaii. Like, but why? What's happening in Hawaii right now? Why are you going to Hawaii? Well, I mean, we got like, it's like bases. We got bases in Korea and Hawaii. You just yeah, like, go there to have staff. And you just... You do like new PT. There? And if you're in like Air Force, you're going to be flying planes and stuff and doing maneuvers there. If you're in the army, I don't know. You're stationed at posts and... Then you what? You play cards? You wait for a command? I guess you so, You just yeah. wait? Yeah. Your job is to wait? Yeah. And train? I think so, yeah. Weird. Um, before we get much further into it, I will say that a lot of this information is coming from All Things Interesting. I don't know if you've seen that in your research. No. Um, some, some, some is from Murderpedia and then also I got... Some of the details about his crimes from his own, like, written confession. Interesting. And a lot of those things didn't really line up with each other. So, who knows where it's wrong. I did the best that I could to make sense of it all. Well, yeah, just say, like, some sources say this, some sources yeah. say that. It's only, uh, that's all you can do. Um, so, Methany claims that he was serving in Vietnam, despite his mother saying otherwise. And there in Vietnam, or when he said he was in Vietnam, said he became addicted to heroin while serving um, with an artillery unit. Do you um, think that when he was a kid, people called him Methany? Because he farted a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. He was a, He did end up being a large uh, adult. I don't know what he was like as a child. Um, also, a contradictory <laughs> statement to his statement of serving in Vietnam is that most direct U.S. involvement had ended in Vietnam by the time he was supposed to be serving there. Yeah, but you said that you just hang out. Yep. And wait. Um, after returning from his stationing, who knows where, he started to drift from his mother, and his mother would later say, I think the worst thing that ever happened to him was the drugs. Well, heroin's a hell of a drug, I hear. Yep. Um, and after you should know. The Red Cross left a track mark on your arm that looks like you do heroin. Yeah. Not everyone's perfect. You can't all draw blood the same. Yeah, well, you'd think if you're a traveling phlebotomist, you could. Yep. Um, yeah, so after he returned from, um, military expeditions, he's, things started going downhill. He, um, went back to Maryland and then he started kind of traveling around like homeless camps and doing drugs and various Yikes. things like that. Yikes. Um, in the 1990s, he was, uh, known as tiny in his circles. But he was big. He was 6'1 and around 450. 
450. Tiny, you know, those, uh, well, what's, what's that phrase when it's like not exactly a, um, oxymoron? Yeah. Well, did you ever play, uh, like any of the Crash Bandicoot games? Maybe one. Okay. Well, did you ever play CTR, Crash Team Racing? Yeah, your house. Oh, it's so fun. I got that game for my birthday. I love it so much. Like the fat Crash, whatever his name is. His name's Tiny. Oh. That doesn't mean like crunch or something. Oh, there is a crunch, but that's not until a later game. Mm-hmm. Is he also a big one? He's like darker and stupider. Like Shadow and Sonic. Oh, no, but there's a there's an orange character that's like big and muscly, and his name's Tiny Tiger. Tiny. And he's like one of the worst cars you could play. He's like Bowser. He's super fast, surprisingly. Not like Bowser. He has good but he has speed, but he has slow acceleration. Bad handling. Mm. His turns are like... You want to be on the outside of the track? Okay, fine. That's all. He's got a lot of pushing power, though. Yeah, he can go real fast. And bump you out of the way. Probably pretty good. Um, There's not much bumping going on. If you bump into each other, I think you both just, like, kind of stop a little bit. Mm. Anyway, Tiny, 450. He used to go on yeah, a TLC show. So, yeah, like I said, he spent a lot of time in uh, Maryland, specifically Baltimore. Um, he spent a lot of his money... From uh, jobs on crack, heroin, and SoCo. On what? Southern Comfort. Oh, 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 oh! I was like, is that a drug name? I I don't know. Yeah, it. it's like a <laughs> crack and heroin combined. <laughs> SoCo. Yeah, so he uh, he's working. Ew, SoCo. Yeah. I don't like it. He's working as a like a forklift operator slash driver at a uh, a pallet company, places that assembled pallets. Sure. Someone's um, got to do it. Uh, co-workers there said he was well-spoken and well-mannered and like didn't have any problems with him usually how it goes also you don't they don't notice people that are out of the ordinary until it's too late i mean melvin reese walked up to a window holding a revolver that's not so nice yeah but he was like a fine like jazz clarinetist (laughs) i guess clarinetist um so he's been back in baltimore uh maryland baltimore slash maryland for about four years did I ever At this t- point? Sorry. Go ahead. Did I ever tell you that I never wanted to say I was a pianist when I was a kid because I thought it sounded like penis? I think so. I didn't want to say I'm a penis. <laughs> Pen 15. <laughs> That's a way to get ridiculed in elementary school. You're a penis. I was like, I'm a piano player. I'm aspiring pianist. <laughs> what? I thought you said, like, you were going to say spiral. I'm a spiral penis. I'm a duck penis. <laughs> You've heard it here, guys. Alex admitted it. There's a, there's the title of the episode, Duck Penis. No. <laughs> um, oh, so he's been um, in Maryland for about four years now. And in July 1994, uh, Metheny returns home to find that there was nothing in his house. It was just all gone. Oh, no. Wait, it, I thought he was homeless. Oh, he was working. He probably got a house. He Wait, working. he's also kind of older at this point, like 40? Uh, 1994. He was born 55. Yeah. Yeah, 40-ish. 39, 40. Tiny. Tiny. Um, I lost my spot in my notes. Everything was gone. There it is. His uh, quote-unquote old lady had taken it all, including his son. Wait, and, his mom took his... His no, mom? his, like, a uh, girlfriend. Because, like, people 
of a certain age also refer to like wives and girlfriends as old ladies. I thought like old man was your dad. My old man. Yeah, but then all and so if you're old a guy, is not your mom. If you're a guy, then old lady is like your wife or I girlfriend. I swear to God, if you ever call me your old lady, I'm not gonna be okay with that. Ball and chain. Um, she had taken. She took. Wait, his girlfriend took his son. Yeah, his uh, six year old son, and just like pieced out. What? She That's had illegal. It's kidnapping, I suppose. Yeah. Um. Is it her kid? I think it is also her kid. Uh huh. Maybe it's not. I didn't see one way or the other. But she had apparently moved across town to live in with her, her drug dealer, who then started pimping her out to buy, to get more drugs, which is weird because he's a drug dealer, but whatever. They just need more, I guess, extra income, and she became a prostitute. That's really sad. What about the kid? Um, the kid would eventually be taken by CPS due to child endangerment. You know what I really hate? Well, there's a lot of things. But what I hate is, like, what were we watching? Oh, oh, I watched, like, 20 minutes of that show, You, Hmm. on Netflix, and I hated it. But anyway, I hate in scenarios where there's, like, a young kid who has some sort of association with, like, a prostitute or something like that, and therefore, like, hears a bunch of sex. It's just, like... Like Rorschach and The Watchmen. I don't know. Sure. But, like, in this show that I was watching, like, the kid's sitting outside the apartment on the stairs because, like... His mom's having sex. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And that messes him up pretty good. Yeah. That's what I'm imagining for a tiny's tiny. Yeah, I don't know what happens to Tiny Jr. He's he's taken by CPS and... Probably, hopefully better. Um. So, yeah, he found out his kid is now gone and that sent him into a rage. Yeah. He uh, went out looking for his wife slash boyfriend and her, her boyf- new boyfriend. And he knew that they hung out like under a bridge and did drugs down there. So he went down there to see if they were around. And they weren't. They were not. He uh, he found two homeless men, Randall Brewer and Randy P- uh, Piker. Picker, Randall and Randy. Which is like the odds of like two homeless men also being named basically the same thing. Sounds like Hillbilly Brothers. Um, Mama named us Randall and often, Randy. Uh, Randall and Randy. And uh, Jeff, Joff, Jeff and Joff. Jeff, Jeff and Joff. Sorry. I'm sorry. My brain just like, my brain just works in like spikes where it'll just be like, outburst. Yeah. Here's another one. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Good for this medium. Thank you. I like my outburst. So you found two homeless men, Randall, Randall Brewer and Randy Picker, Biker. Randy Pecker? Yeah, Randy Pecker. <laughs> that Is often, he an uh, aspiring penis? Pecker? Maybe. I don't know. Is he a duck penis? I'm winking. Who's um to those two men often did drugs with a couple, apparently. His uh, old lady and her new boyfriend. <laughs> he then um claims to have killed the two homeless men with an axe. Dismembering them and leaving them where he found them. Like on their What did they do? They did they knew them. They knew them and they wouldn't like give up or tell him. Or maybe they didn't even know what was going on, but he was just upset that his kid was taken from him. Wow. Obviously, this wasn't enough either because he still doesn't know where his kid and girlfriend is. Right. You keep going back between girlfriend and wife. It, it never said one way or the other. Ah, we'll just assume it's both. <laughs> um, he then sought out a sex worker that apparently was friendly with his... Ah, uh, prostitute. Old, old lady. lady. Yeah. He was also with old lady. As a, instead of a girlfriend or wife. Yeah. Um, it says Wakanda. 
Does it? I don't think that's what it says on their lip, though. I don't know what it says on their lip. <laughs> I lied. I was playing with my mouth, and I folded my lip down, and that's like why. they do for Black Panther. That's why I said it says Wakanda. I'm such a spaz. I haven't even had half a drink hardly. <laughs> Just a spaz. Continue. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll shut up. So this one sex worker apparently knew his girlfriend. Old lady. Yeah. I keep going back and forth. He uh, he lured her under a bridge and got her high. And she wasn't like still giving up any information about where she might be at this current moment. So he then beat her up, raped her, and then killed her. So that's three at this moment, if we believe everything he says. Um, threw her body in a bush. Found another sex worker. Brought her back to the same spot. No. Is this the same night? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. They, uh, he did the same thing. Oh, all of it? Mm-hmm. He then noticed that a man was fishing nearby and may have seen some things. Kills that guy, too. Oh, no. And then he says he dumped all three bodies in the river and weighed them down with rocks. Police never find any evidence of these three people. Maybe they never existed. This is also like coming from him, his uh, jailhouse confession. He says he brought, we're uh, eventually get there, but he says he brought police back down to that spot and that the bodies may have drifted away at, at, by that point, but yeah, they never find any evidence. This is five or six. This is five. The two homeless men. Randy, Randall. Two sex workers, I know. And a fisherman. And a fisherman. Sounds like a start of a weird joke. Two sex workers and a fisherman. Walking to a bar. Ow. And they, he says, you are hooker? Because I'm hooked. That's not great. What? He's a fisherman. That's not great. Come on. They're sex workers. Hooker. Hooker. Hooked. Hooker. Hooked. If I keep explaining, it doesn't make it better. Weirdly enough, it actually makes it worse. No, it makes it better. Everyone else who's listening right now is dying, laughing. I'm going to get texts from my sisters and my friends be like, oh my god, hooker, hooked, hilarious. Pork, pork. The dogs hate it. No, oh, they love it. That's that's laughter. That's dog laughter. That sounds very angry. No, it's dog laughter. Also, at some point in 1994, a lot of this information is on, like, you know, a lot of these dates are just like, 1994, he did this. 1995, mm-hmm. he did this. He killed Catherine Ann Magaziner. Uh, she was 39. She had been working as a prostitute. He uh, decapitated her and then buried her body in the pallet company grounds. And uh, about six months later, he would uh, revisit that gravesite, dig up her skull mm-hmm. and have sex with it. And then threw it away. Alex, Alex, your delivery is so nonchalant. Wait, he had, wait. Killed her, buried her. Six months later, dug her back up. Dusted off the little the skull, and then I had sex with it, and then put it in a box and threw it away. I didn't see that coming at all. He had sex with the skull. I didn't see that coming. See, he now here's also things get a little uh, iffy. Uh, two and a half weeks later, I'm assuming from the. This head sex, <laughs> the skull sex. No, I can't move fast. He was charged with the murders of the two homeless men, Randall and Randy. To 
clarify, I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. I'm just laughing because that's what's happening with my body right now. That brings the definition of head to another level. I'm sorry. I'm going to hell. Me right there along with you. Oh my God. Wait, he was charged with the murders? He was charged with the murders. How'd they find out? I don't know, really. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It doesn't really matter because he was held for 18 months in a county jail waiting trial and then was eventually released due to lack of evidence. Yeah, okay. Um, There was also... I think from what I'm trying to remember from what I read, there was another man that was also charged with the death of a homeless man who used the same axe he... um, What's his name? Metheny had used to kill the two homeless, Randall and Randy. Yeah. And that guy got charged with the murder of that other homeless guy. But the two homeless men were just He just, just left like, the axe where he used it? I guess and someone so. someone else used it to murder someone else? Yep. What are the odds? They're like, oh, this is what I'm looking for. So he gets out of prison or jail after 18 months and was able to convince his, jo- his old boss to get his job back. Wow. And he then starts living on a, in a trailer on the property of the mm-hmm. pallet company. Um, the factory where he was working apparently was rather isolated. So, good for him. Bad for everyone else that's involved. Uh, he lured two more sex workers up to his trailer. This is also, like, his jailhouse confession. He's for... Ugh, whatever. Um, where he killed and butchered them. Actually butchered them. Like, and then put their, of meat? put their meat in Tupperware and froze it. My God, this guy is all over the place. Over the uh, the next following weeks. No. He opened up a barbecue stand. No. No. <laughs> no. No. And sold no, roast beef sandwiches no, and pork sandwiches with no. some human meat mixed in. Oh. And nobody ever said anything was off about the meat when they ate it. My. God. There are a bunch of people who unknowingly ate human. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like that cereal thing. There's like six in- insects in every like box of cereal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, bits of, there's a bits of human in every well, yeah, bit of sure, meat. Yeah, like a nail or some finger skin. But like, and then they probably found out about it and they're like, I went to Tiny's Barbecue. Mm-hmm. And it's good for him because people ate all the evidence. There's bones left and I, I assume it's probably easier to dispose of bones than actual body parts i don't know if i would notice if you're getting it mixed in yeah with pork according to him it tastes very similar to pork oh my god, oh my god. that's also what i've heard for other people say too is no, that you've human... heard other people say that yeah other cannibals mentioned that it's very similar to pork yeah good i don't really like pork pulled pork don't talk about pulled pork with me. guess what we also i also tried to orchestrate it that we had uh, burgers last night it was turkey burgers but Still burgers. What? He served... You don't have pork burgers. No, but he's still served like pork and beef sandwiches and stuff. Just all for this lead up to this very moment. Uh, Kimberly Lynn Spicer. She was 23 years old. She apparently left her house uh, mid-November 1996 after an argument with her mother relating to her uncle, who had just died two weeks earlier due to a heroin overdose. Um, She was eventually... Somehow coerced to come back to uh, Metheny's slash Tiny's trailer where he uh, killed her. 
mm-hmm. and then hid her body out under some, under some pallets on the property. Just under pallets? Yep. They didn't even bury her? Yeah, just put her under some pallets. Okay. December 8th, 1996, Metheny kidnaps and attempts to sexually assault Rita Kemper. Um, the two were both in similar circles because they both used like coke and he invited her over. It's like, you want to do some drugs uh, and then attempted to have sex with her. And she's like, no. And then he forced himself on her and she ran off. Um, and then, uh, she ran and then he brought her back to trailer where he beat her. She ran again and then she flagged out some police in the area. Um, but that doesn't end it immediately. According to his jailhouse confession it does like she runs off and the police come and take him in but other sources say that the next day he approached a friend about burying uh kimberly spicer's body who was under pallets and that friend obviously went to the police and is like this guy just asked me to bury a body with him so the police uh, pick him up december 15th 1996 at a uh, christmas party <laughs> um his boss was also picked up for accessory after the fact for what? I guess they say no, he knowingly threw out evidence. Oh. So he's picked up on, um, I don't even know what that charge would be. I guess it would be murder, but like picked up because he asked a friend to bury a body. He led uh, police to Magaziner's body. So another charge. Was that the headless one? Yeah. So police believe he was targeting women who are prostitutes and also addicted to drugs so circles that he would have his girlfriend was involved in and then he was also involved in i wonder if his mom was a prostitute also he seems know. to have a lot I... of animosity toward her she said trying... she worked multiple jobs i'm trying to recall what i think it was like waitressing and she says waitressing and stuff so yeah, yeah. but they both had totally different stories about what was happening yeah do, do, do. he was would be later indicted on the death of Tony Lynn Ingrassa, Ingrassia, but um, charges later be dropped because of lack of, lack of evidence. Who's Tony? Just somebody, like somebody, that, or a woman that had been murdered that they thought fit oh, profile. And he's got like, it. Yeah. Um, in 1997, he was tried and sentenced to 50 years for kidnapping and attempted sexual assault of uh, Rita Kemper. Um, Isn't there somebody else's name? Whose last name is Kemper that has to do with murder? Top of my head, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> Lost my spot again. I'm sorry. 50 years for kidnapping and attempted sexual assault. Um, in 1998, he um, was tried for the murder of Kimberly Spicer. Um, he begged the jury for the death penalty and would get it. Um, at sentencing, he said he got a rush out of the kill and enjoyed doing it. Um, in August 1998, he pled guilty to Magaziner's death. Um, the death penalty was sought in that case also, but he ended up getting life for that case. Or 200, but obviously in 2000, his death penalty was appealed and it got overturned. So he got life, so he no longer on death row. He just had two life sentences plus 50 years for the <laughs> kidnapping. I mean, it's possible to beat that, I guess. Sure. Uh, He served time in the Western Correctional Institution in Maryland. I don't know where that is, but he would end up never repenting for what he did. He said, the words I'm sorry will never come out, for they would be a lie. Wow. 
bold. And like in some um, news articles, it said when he was arrested, it's like he was glad that he got caught because he's like acknowledged that he was like a sick person and like he needed to be stopped. So I don't know if that's a good thing for self-awareness, like points for that. I don't give any points to him. I don't care what it is. <laughs> um, in August 5th, 2017, he was found dead in his prison cell. He was 62 years old. How? That's all I ever saw. He just was just found dead. Hmm. Weird. Heart attack. Because I, I imagine if it was like a prisoner attack, they would say like he was stabbed or yeah. something in his prison cell. He was charged with two murders. Um, there was evidence for four because of the uh, the two homeless men that he would later admit to saying he did. But then he said he um, he personally said he killed ten people. Wow. So technically, he's a serial killer, but because he killed the two homeless men and then the two women, but it's probably the f the f four number is probably more actual versus the ten. You think he just made up people? Because, like, yeah, I he think... He never gave names. He just said... Yeah, the, the two the two sex workers and the fishermen, the police never found bodies for. Mm -hmm. um, other sex workers that he turned into hamburgers and pulled pork sandwiches, they never found, like, evidence of. And this is, like, also coming from his confession. He's like, I killed two women on this day and a fisherman, and then I invited women up to my trailer and killed them and sold them. Um, I'll leave you with this quote from his uh, his confession and quote. So the next time you're riding down the road and you happen to see an open uh, pit beef stand that you've never seen before, make sure you think about this story before you take a bite of that sandwich he wrote. Obviously, he wrote it wasn't in there. Sometimes you never know who you may be eating. And then he laughed in his letter. It's a good thing we never ate from that place in Homestead. <laughs> Just kidding. Wow. Um, what a nut job. So some people listed him as like the cannibal killer, but I'm sure that's a pretty common moniker. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Two Maryland bros dying at 62. But not know a lot about their childhood. Yeah. That was exciting. That was a lot. There's a lot that happened there. Um, do you want to hear a strange thing that someone has uttered? Sure. A folk? Is a singular folks folk a folk? I assume so because like a folk song. Sure. This is our first write-in. We've let you guys know that if you email us at sadtalespodcast at gmail.com, you're welcome to send us your strange things that folks utter. And we'll put them in our episodes. You can also can. Uh, DM us at... Uh... On Twitter or Instagram, at Tales Podcast. Right. So this is our first written-in one. This one happens to come from my sister. <laughs> do you want to know... This is not what she said. But do you want to know... <laughs> why AirPods were invented? Why they exist? Because Apple wants to make a lot of money. No. AirPods. It's the opposite. AirPods... Or for people who can't afford wires. There's a bunch of wires in AirPods. It's the lack of wires that prove you have money. Because there are no strings on you. Yep. I just like that there's someone that believes. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they were being facetious. I don't know. I wasn't there. 
she was the one that was there. But I, I, I'd like to think that someone believes that they're more, ex they're less expensive because they don't have the wire component that plugs into your phone. And that the poor poppers of the world get earbuds because wires show your status. We live in a world where the more wires you have, the richer you are in this scenario. I also think that maybe it's a little bit of like eye envy. Just like they wish they had AirPods. So they're like trying to, uh, I don't know what the right word would be. Like they're trying to downplay it. Like, yeah. Ugh. Those idiots, they're not, they don't have wires. They can't possibly understand what it's like to have wires. It's so maybe pinky out to have wires. Maybe, maybe that's possible. It's fun though. It's a fun sentiment. I could see how it logically makes sense. Usually you pay for more things. Although jeans these days, you pay for holes. So maybe they're onto something. More expensive, more holes. Buy those uncompleted jeans. Yeah. I'm talking about biological jeans. Well, anyway, so that'll that'll do it for episode 11. Um. Well, thank you for being around for episode 11. The episode's so nice. It was numbered twice. Yeah, remember, stick around to the very end. We have a podcast that we're going to promote, Wine and Crime, if you've heard of them, which I'm sure you've had heard of them because they're wonderful and significantly more out in the world than we are. But we love them. They're super nice. They've chatted with us a bunch. Remember, you can always fo follow us on social media at Sad Tales Podcast. That's both Twitter and Instagram, and we also have a Facebook. I think if you do facebook.com slash podcast, you should be able to find us. Um, and then our Gmail is sadtalespodcast at gmail.com if you want to send us story suggestions or strange things you overheard. And don't forget as well, we do have a secondary episode that we release every week. We released the last one on Wednesday, and we're going to keep it on Wednesdays, so you can get two episodes from us. One is the regular Sad Tales from Underground. The other one is super Supernatural Things for You, where it's a shorter episode, and it's a little bit more out of this world. So if you want to listen to our second episode every week, please head on over to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash sadtalespodcast, and... At for as little as $2 a month, you can get eight episodes a month, which is a good deal, I think. All right. Um, and until next week, we will... Um, I don't even know where I was going with that. We'll be with you next week. Until next I... week. Yeah, I guess that's what I was going. All but... right. Hey, true crime fans, have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents. Each week, us gals pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime. Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to the topic. Past episodes include necrophilia, cults, Crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, exorcisms gone wrong, all this over a bottle of wine, or let's be real, three. 
Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod, and check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Cheers! Cheers.